2: To another episode of the Toonami Faithful podcast. I am your host, Sketch, and with me I have.
1: Bob Scroo, the founder of ToonamiFaithful.com.
2: And joining us this time is our returning guest. Alex fine Ginn, the
0: adapter and director of the English Web for Sword Art Online.
2: Yes, we are here to talk about some sword arts. Well, well, many sword arts. The last time we had Alex on, it was right around just before the halfway point of the first arc of Alicization, sort of the uh, the first quarter, and then I had a conversation about the second quarter, but I thought we'd kind of touch on some of that stuff before we get to this... Current story arc that just wrapped up on Tunami a week ago. So, right. Kirito and... <laughs> <laughs> it's, a lot to, it's a lot to go.
1: <laughs> so, He's losing his mind.
2: <laughs> I'm getting unwanted text messages.
1: <laughs> yeah, those were from me. No, no, that wasn't from me.
2: <laughs> no, they, they were not. They were no, not. if
1: they were for me, they'd be lewd. But anyways.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. <clears throat> so, in the second quarter of Alicization, Kirito and Eugeo meet the Cardinal, which is the physical embodiment of the Cardinal system dating all the way back to Eincrad. And she came to be because Quinella, the administrator decided at some point that she needed to offload some of her massive amount of data onto some other NPC. And what she didn't realize is that would give that individual the same level of power that she had. And, oops. (laughs) But this Cardinal, unlike the Administrator, actually cares about the citizens and wants to do right by them so she rescues kirito and eugeo and gives them a whole lot of information about quinella and how this world works and how their uh weapon arts work before they go back out to climb the tower which is by the way a hundred floors which kirito definitely notably grimaces to
1: (laughs) Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> but they kind of cheat the system because after not that many floors and uh, fighting Druselbert, I believe. Yeah, they fought oh, Druselbert. DeSelbert. De- De- yeah. De- Des I'm De- sure Albert. Alex will be correcting me many times with the, prenu- <laughs> the way I'm um, pronouncing
0: the No offense. No offense. <laughs> no offense meant. No offense meant.
1: Oh, there's a fence. There's a fence. You can do it all no. it's fine. No, no, no. <laughs> trying
2: to offend anybody, Uh yeah, anyway, <laughs> they fight that guy, and then there's a couple of uh what looks to be little nun girls that say that they're training to uh, be uh training to be nuns, but they end up stabbing Kirito and Yuji-Oh with poison knives and dragging them up many many floors, <laughs> so. Kind of cheat the game there, uh, only to have them realize that Kirito had prepared because he assumed that they were going to hurt them and managed to get out of the poison. But now they have to fight against another one of the Integrity Knights, that being Lady Fanatio. Yep, I did. I did it right this time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. And she has quite the chip on her shoulder trying to hide that she is a woman because of her past experiences with other warriors thinking less of her because she's a woman. Going easy on her. Yep. Yeah. So she faces off against Kirito and yuji and they have a pretty hard fight. I mean, she gets Kirito pretty bad, like shoots him right through the foot with her uh, with lasers. <laughs> <laughs> reflecting the the light from the sword. Mm-hmm. And uh, she thinks, like all the other opponents, that Kirito would think less of her if she was a woman. But Kirito kind of spins it on her. It's like, you know, I've fought lots of very skilled swordswomen. The fact that you're becoming less powerful by thinking that... Just that's entirely your hang up. I mean I, I have no problem fighting a woman. I mean bitch, I'm a feminist.
0: <laughs> an advocate of gender equality, we said. Yeah. I think I think we said that a couple days ago. Yeah. So he's just yeah. like Cosma in that in that respect.
2: <laughs> Similar but different.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, after that hard fight, uh she's very badly wounded. And they decide to use one of the daggers that they're supposed to use to save Alice or defeat the Administrator. And they use it on her so that she can go be healed by the Cardinal. And they go up the next floor where they find Bercoli having a nice dip. <laughs> little uh, little man service sauna. for the ladies. yeah.
1: And he's
0: become quite the popular character.
2: Uh, I mean, I, I think Mr. Amari <laughs> definitely helps in that regard, right? It <laughs> definitely makes him sound real smooth. Mm hmm. Yeah. So that fight goes to Yu Gi Oh. As it makes sense, he can freeze things. Why not have him fight with the water? <laughs> so they continue their fight as Kirito continues to climb where he finds Alice, and Alice has, like, crazy flower sword. (laughs) And they fight and break a wall, and they fall through (laughs) and end up having to climb up the tower on the outside. And this is a part where Kirito and Alice kind of uh, come to terms with each other and... I really like this particular episode in this arc. It's uh, it's, it's great banter between the two of them. Alice has various hang-ups, <laughs> some literal ones, mm-hmm. and Kirito eventually convinces her that he's not a bad guy and that the, uh, the hierarchy is uh, the evil ones here by telling Alice of her past life. And in the middle of this, Yujiro manages to, uh, I wouldn't say defeat Burcoli, but he at least puts him on ice. But unfortunately for him, uh, a creepy clown man <laughs> comes Chudelkin. along.
0: Yeah, Chudelkin.
2: Chudelkin. Yeah, he, uh, he, he bounces along and whisks away Yujiro to be synthesized like the uh, other knights. So at the point where Alice finally disobeys her programming and loses one of her eyes in the process, gi oh has now become brainwashed. So now, just as one becomes an ally, a friend becomes an enemy. It's, you know, perfect balance in these things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So now Kirito has to fight UGO, and he's like, man, come on, don't you remember me? No, no, he doesn't, because he's, uh, he's had his memory screwed right out of him. <laughs> More or less. But eventually, as, you know, actually it doesn't take very long, things <laughs> considered, this arc is going at a pretty quick pace at this point. And uh, then it's time for Kirito, Yu-Gi-Oh, Alice, and they get a little help from Charlotte to fights the Administrator with Cardinal. And it's a pretty crazy fight. Everybody's fighting in their various ways. And Charlotte eventually sacrifices herself. And Cardinal basically sacrifices herself up to a point, And then uses the last of her power when Eugeo requests that he... Become a sword with the logic that if the bad guys have swords that used to be people, then I can become a sword.
0: Yeah, he finds his purpose and he decides, you know what, this is my purpose to save my friends, protect my friends. And that's what I'm going to do, you know, protect Alice too. you know, Alice and Kitty the two most important people in his life. So mm-hmm. he takes that. He makes that choice.
2: Yep. And it forever puts him top tier in the harem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> UG UGO won. Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> won that contest.
1: Sometimes <clears throat> I wonder about you,
2: Scoot. <laughs> no, I mean there was a contest and Yu one won. Yu <laughs> did win, yeah, at anime expo, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. At anime expo.
1: <laughs> I was like, Charlotte,
2: how dare you put that spider in there? What is
1: wrong with people?
2: <laughs> I voted for Charlotte, personally. Uh, fair enough.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, using the Yu Gi Oh sword and his own sword, Kirito fatally wounds Quinilla, takes off one of her arms. And <laughs> this is like, oh, very clever of you to be using two swords that are not made of metal. Because. Apparently, completely safe against metal. But uh, Quinella tries to escape to the real world because she could apparently do that. And earlier in this fight, Chudelkin did this transformation into a flaming scary clown. And now he has come to collect... <laughs>
0: Oh it's just, uh, all over the place. He
1: conjures a golem. He conjures a golem.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, big scary golem and they have to fight that. Yep, there's also the golem made out of swords. And then those things too. And then you and then
0: they they have to deal with Shadelkin because he's the source of the big scary fire golem. Right? So they they get rid of him. Kito does that with the what does he do? The, I think he just uh Runs him through I think or something, I forget.
1: <laughs>
2: but he's apparently alive enough to go clinging after Quinella as she tries to escape the real world and the two of them go boom. Yep.
1: Uh, well well at least he banged her for once. <laughs> I thought you know, I would get bang, in on that's for sure. I, I thought I would get in on these puns, I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: It's at this point that Kirito realizes there's a console and tries to contact Kikuoka, but the Ocean Turtle is conveniently under attack. And the uh, area where his mind is, in the, uh, the cluster, is affected by all the attacking going on at the Ocean Turtle, and it causes his brain to get fried. Not, not good. Not good. Now, as you can imagine, after your like, holier-than-thou art leader dies, there's going to be a bit of a power struggle <laughs> and a lot of confusion. So the remaining Integrity Knights learn that the Pontifex is dead and... Some of them are pretty you know, okay, this makes sense, but others are like, uh, I don't know about this. <laughs> but Well their belief system has been completely taken
0: out from under them. So yeah. now it's like, what do you believe in? We're exactly. not we're not divine, you know, we're we're just people with their memory stolen, even extra, you know, hardcore weapons that we can that we can master. So yeah, that's tough, they're all show. Yeah
2: very shook and at that point Alice doesn't want to stay with them anymore and decides to move back to the country to around the village where she once lived but gotta protect Kirito yeah. She in danger he's in danger the uh, comatose Kirito to comatose the outskirts <laughs> Com- he's comatose <laughs> it's a new form is it Kamato or Kirikoma? I, I like Kirikoma personally. Oh God! <laughs> and she's got to do everything for him, and she's got to put him in bed. Got to feed him. It's, she's <laughs> eventually she and Austin to share stories, and uh, <laughs> it's unfortunate that we don't get to see more of that conversation.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you saw. I don't know if you saw my tweet after that episode. But it went along the lines of like. He he did what he he married you. He did this. I was just wasting my time.
2: <laughs> uh, I don't think she gave up yet.
1: Oh, she won't probably not.
2: No, 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 no. <laughs> so yes, Alice goes back to her hometown, where they're not too welcoming, including her father is kind of like you can't be here. You need to leave. But her younger sister, of course, is totally fine with it. She's happy to have her back. Of course, everybody realizes it's not the Alice that they knew, because that Alice's memories are gone. So, awkward. But, uh, Alice makes do doing small jobs, cutting down trees, that sort of thing. And I was expecting there to be more of a situation with that guy who's trying to exploit her, but that just kind of gets brushed under the rug after some goblins attack the town. Nothing really more than him fighting back at the idea of leaving the town to save everybody. He's like, this is our home. We can't leave. Typical. (laughs) (laughs) He's a
0: landlord. What are you going to do? Oh. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean seriously, that was the whole point. That was the whole point. People are gonna people are gonna fight and risk their lives for the sake of his uh his wealth and property. Yeah. And that was uh that was what he was resisting against. Um
2: But then the goblins really attacked and Alice was like, You guys need to get the hell out of here. <laughs>
0: hmm
2: <clears throat> And she also gets visited by Eldrie, who trained under her, at other Eldrie.
1: Wait, wait, wait. So, does does Alice have a, a harem now too? Eh.
2: <laughs> not, <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not really. She's
0: she got. She's definitely got an admirer in Eldrie.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he's he's not subtle. No, <laughs> not subtle. at all. Not at all. Not subtle. <laughs> no. And he shows up, knocking on her door. He's like, you need to come back. We need you. He's like, no, I have to take care of this guy. He's like, that guy is a perfectly good swordsman. He should be able to fend for himself. It's like, yeah, but he's kind of, you know, not all there at the
0: moment. Well, he actually, he actually argues that, you know, Kirito is, you know, just dead weight. That mm-hmm. the kingdom, that the, uh, the human empire needs her. And, uh, and, and, you know what's what's the point in dragging this guy around because he's just going to drag her down and if the human empire needs her then you know her duty as a knight is to you know stand with the other knights and fight the uh, the oncoming armies or the impending invasion by the dark territory.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Though there isn't at this point necessarily an impending invasion from the dark territory because over at the dark territory we have Lord Shasta. Thinking maybe now that the Pontifex is out of the picture, we could actually see eye to eye and have peace. Well, well the problem is, is that there's you know there's several
0: different races in the dark territory, and not all of them want peace. Um, he's one of the very few who thinks that he can talk to Bercoli uh, because they fought before, and they you know. They they came to an understanding about each other. Then and they've always been saying, always been thinking about the other, thinking, oh well, if if there's anyone to talk to about this, it would be you know Shasta in Burckle's shoes, or, or uh, if you're in Shasta's shoes, it would be Bercoli. So they knew that uh, each other. They were both reasonable people, right? right. So the fear is that once the, once the word gets out in the Dark Territory that the administrator's gone, um, all hell will break loose and that invasion will happen. So those that's what the knights were scared of, or I shouldn't say scared, but were concerned about and definitely what Shasta and Lipia were concerned about too.
1: Mm-hmm. But by the way, what I, I guess this is a good time to ask you the question of what made you get Steve Bloom for that role.
0: It was not involved in the casting process.
1: Oh, really? Nope.
2: Um, the I was wondering uh, if uh, that was maybe the first time you'd worked with Steve.
0: No, no. We we'd worked together on and off for a while. I mean, you know, Gerard season two, of course, and then there oh, was right. uh, there was uh, God, there was a movie, an uh, OVA that we worked on a long time ago. Um, Oh, what was it called? Wait a second. I'm looking at my DVD shelf. Straightjacket. <laughs> Straight jacket. He was in Straightjacket. Um, um, so I mean, off and on, we've, we've. I mean, we know each other, like you know. So, um, so it was fun when I found out that he was going to be in it. Um, you know, the first day, big hugs. Hey, how you been? Haven't seen you in a while. Um, and then I had to tell him, well. You're gonna die in the next episode. To
1: the next episode.
2: Well, sure. you know, a lot of people are disappointed about that fact. I was like, no, that's the reason why it is Steve. <laughs> Steve's a busy guy.
0: I mean, it was uh you know, and you know, ultimately it was a good fake out for people who didn't know the show, uh who hadn't been watching uh the Japanese uh uh version on Crunchyroll and For those who hadn't read the books, um, you know, hearing Steve and Abby, too, playing those characters, you would not naturally think that they were going to stick around for a while. Um, But, you know, the show uh, Underworld uh, had uh, gone union. So uh, so Sword Art is now a union show um, ever since the beginning of War of Underworld. So now we had access to people like Steve, Abby, Kari, um, you know, actors who have, actors who don't feel comfortable doing non stuff, basically. So, um, so now with the access to them, uh, we could plug them in. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm glad, and I'm, and I'm you know, quite frankly glad of it, because um, at the pace we were going with Sword Art and stuff, we were and the and the characters that we needed. Um, we were getting to a point where we were, we were just quite frankly running out of actors that we trusted working with, and actors who are right for certain parts. And you know, d- doubling and tripling up characters is always dangerous. Um, you know, a lot of the actors who play some of the main characters also play some of the incidentals too, um, in scenes that they're not that these t- characters are not together in. Obviously. Um as much as possible. Um but now that Sword Art was the Union, um yeah, we had access to these other people. So
2: Yeah. It was uh that that was definitely uh something that people were excited about when they saw the cast list and they noticed that Kari was on it. It was like uh, Sword Art's gone union.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe
2: they could get Steve.
0: Yeah. They, <laughs> they got Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it was really, it was really cool that they came out for it too. They, you know, they knew about the show. They'd heard about the show. Um, so, like even Kari when she came in um, to play D, she was really excited. Um, you know, Kari's another person I hadn't worked with in a long time, um, just because of you know union non union type of stuff. Um, but it's great. You know, we got to we got to reconnect for a little bit and you know talk about stuff and. Oh, I remember Lucky Star <laughs> and stuff like that. So,
2: yeah, it was really
0: cool. It was really cool.
2: That's great. So the uh, additional element here is the ocean turtle has been attacked mm-hmm. by a mercenary group led by Gabriel, mm-hmm. who was correct me if I'm wrong, hired by some Americans. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so it's kind of like a a CIA, FBI kind of uh, organization, government organization, like an NSA type of thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, Black Ops, uh, basically. Yeah, they wanted to, uh, they'd heard about this uh, technology, the soul translator technology, and they wanted to get their hands on it for defense purposes.
2: Yeah. So his goal is to get Alice and bring her to the real world. That's the mission. They can make use of her in the real world, as she's the perfect subject for what they want to do. And uh, they also, on the uh, ocean turtle side, they also want to get Alice. But now that Kirito can't contact them, they're not sure how they're going to handle getting her until... Asuna volunteers to go in and find Alice and bring her and Kirito back. hmm Now, the bad guys find a couple of uh, really high-level avatars, one of which is the king of the Dark Territory. Emperor Vecta. Yes, Emperor Vecta. And the other is just a really high-level Dark Knight. So the two of them go in, and it causes a big ruckus in the Dark Territory because the king has finally returned, Emperor Vecta has returned. And all they want to know is what he wants, and he wants Alice and chaos, bloodshed. Just do whatever you have to to bring me Alice and kill anything that gets in your way. Now, this is eventually uh, informed to the Integrity Knights, and they and Alice do team up to try and fight back at the Dark Territory as they come in various amounts. All these... There's like eight different races, and after uh, Shasta and... Uh, Lipia. Lipia, yeah. After <laughs> Lipia makes a very untimely demise at the hands of mm-hmm. Emperor Vecta, and then Shasta is made a example to the rest, they go ahead and attack and the remains of... Is it all the remaining Integrity Knights that are fighting now i i think they said that there were some that weren't
0: there there were some that were left um behind in centoria um conveniently
2: none that we're aware of
0: (laughs) yeah i think i think if i remember correctly in the book they um oh god if if i remember correctly in the book they mention names that's it they don't go into backstories of those other knights
1: hmm Um, interesting but
0: yeah there's uh, yeah I checked the math on it about how many knights were left and all that kind of stuff and who's there And uh, so basically the knights that we've grown to know those are the ones who are always going to be around now well Mm -hmm. in various degrees (laughs) right so not every knight makes it
2: and there's also some of the students from the sword academy that are now yep fighting with the army yep
0: he's Sandronier. Mm-hmm. Golgarosa's in charge of uh, of, of a unit. Um, Sortolina, or Lina for short, she's in charge of a unit. Um, yeah, it's all hands on deck.
2: Mm-hmm. And we're introduced to a couple of fresh faces, Sir Renly, who mm-hmm. initially is rather cowardly and flees the battlefield until he gets his moment in realizes that even though he's afraid he still has to soldier on and keep fighting and uh why is her name Shaita? Shaita, yes I love Shaita yeah, she's right (laughs) she's fantastic she comes along and fights against the pugilists oh, you totally skipped over Eldrie's death I'm not. Uh, I'm kind of going out of
0: between Financio and the the, the whatever the uh, giant chief and stuff. I mean, these huge fucking battle battle sequences.
2: There are indeed many many battle sequences. Yeah, everybody gets. A I mean, it is so what what in it the War of the Underworld. It is, and it's nasty. And yeah, so Alice has been convinced to come fight, but she's taking Kirito along with her and. Uh, Tise and Ronier are watching over him as he is incapacitated and yes there's numerous battles and eventually Eldrie sacrifices himself gloriously yeah he he definitely goes out with a bang (laughs) after you know, coming this close to actually telling Alice how he really feels, and of course she's very shocked at his passing and mourns his loss. But uh, oh boy, there's so much stuff that happens in this battle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, she goes, she goes berserk at this point, <clears throat> basically.
2: The, oh, that's right. The, uh, there, there's a certain amount of death energy, so to speak, life energy that remains from dead soldiers on both sides, and you can weaponize it, and they they have people on both sides that can do that, but only Alice on the Integrity Knight side can actually do that, and she <laughs> basically beats them to the punch in using all of that energy and just massacres a huge amount of uh, the Dark Territory. And then she flies off to try and uh, get Lord (laughs) Vecta. But uh, at one point, the... uh, What's uh what what's the other mercenary The female, right? The uh do you mean Gabriel's number two? Yeah, Gabriel's number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Masago. Masago, yeah. The he He goes to the camp where Kirito is. He doesn't realize Kirito's there and he's, you know, craftily taking some Soldiers over there to wipe them out. But he gets stopped by some floating being who's managed to break the ground beneath them and create a huge huge chasm that he falls in. (laughs) What a way to die. (laughs) And that's how he loses his good character. Everybody mistakes this figure as... uh, Gosh, what's
0: Stacia, goddess
2: of creation? Stacia, it's Stacia, the goddess, goddess of creation. Yes, uh, they're mistaking. Asana, it's Asana. Right. It's a good Oof. thing
0: I'm on this call. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, is. It, you, it is, it is a good thing, me
2: too. <laughs> oh, so. right?
1: <laughs> so, I, I, think, I think Sketch is a little tired tonight, so it's fine. <laughs>
2: Well, I didn't get much sleep last, night. I don't say that much. (laughs) It's been a long day. So, Asuna has finally arrived with the avatar of Stacia, though she admittedly admits that she is not Stacia, but a human being from another world, and they're all very confused. They have a bit of a powwow to explain the situation, but not before Asuna goes over to see Kirito and right after they have their touching reunion she steps out of where Kirito is and there's Alice and she's none too happy (laughs) and the two of them immediately cross swords because of a certain amount of uh, misunderstanding
1: jealousy Let's just, well, let's just say what it is it's jealousy
2: <laughs> it's not jealousy at that point it, it's it's more that they don't understand each other's Motives. situations
0: yeah
2: yeah alice um
0: alice is just uh reacting to protect kitty toe and uh austin just doesn't know what the fuck is going on with this girl yet yeah and she doesn't even know it's alice uh, yeah. So until somebody. Until uh, what Bercoli. is it, uh, he say, Barony? I says, "Stop, Lady Alice." That's when she's like, "Oh my God, this is the person I got to find." This is
2: Alice. And yeah, then they get stopped by good old Uncle Bracoli. <laughs> just casually sticks his hand between the swords. <laughs> I,
1: I do. I do like uh, what he, what he says first, and then he stops, and it was kind of funny.
2: <laughs> what about uh, guys- two? The two beautiful flowers in bloom. bloom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So
2: beautiful, so dangerous.
1: Sword down. (laughs) All right, time to stop, guys. All right. You've been fighting over Kirito too much today.
2: (laughs) I mean, they've only just begun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but he doesn't know that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So... They have their powwow where Asano explains to everyone that she's from another world, but it's not heaven. In fact, it's not really that great, but there is nice things about it. <laughs> but she needs to take Alice to her world, and then Alice can decide for herself what she wants to do. But they have to try to prevent Vecta from taking Alice, and they have to save Kirito. <clears throat> and... Asuna agrees to help fight their path through to the Dark Territory. So, once again, they uh, set out to arms, and they have many more battles. And this is where Sheeta fights the pugilists. And it's just an interesting cross, because...
1: Wait a minute, you're missing a part here. A very important part.
2: Well... (laughs) They have their pajama party.
1: Yeah, you have to, you have to include this. Because <laughs> it was a hilarious scene. <laughs> so.
2: It was... It's definitely one of my favorite moments in this arc.
1: Wait, this, I've, this. I've been with Kirito. No, I've been with Kirito. Oh my god, yeah. I what's going on here? I, um, <laughs> oh, I felt way, very... I, I, found, I felt... Go ahead.
2: I felt very called out because... I'm reacting to that scene with a live tweet and I'm not I'm not tagging anybody or anything and it's like Oh Kirito's page showing up being like me too <laughs> And Denine responds oh poor
1: Ronnie eh <laughs> She loves Kirito too. And then his teacher comes, Oh, I've I've been with Kirito too. Oh my god, what is going on here? <laughs>
2: I see, yes, you must have many stories to share.
1: <laughs> what's like, oh, now I understand what's going on.
2: <laughs> and they um, there's something very cute but also awkward and somewhat disturbing that they're having their little pajama party in the same room with the comatose Kirito. <laughs>
1: By the way, Alex, I really hope that you had a blooper reel where you have, like, they're in the tent and you just... I don't know. I, I just... I, nope. I, just I, I Oh, come on, you shouldn't. That would have been awesome. I
0: hate to say it. I hate to say it. Um, the uh, the schedule, um, the recording schedule for Alicization and Underworld um, is uh, kind of gnarly. Um, and I'm, like... I'm so focused on trying to make sure all all the eyes are dotted and the Ts are crossed but in the Alicization, um I wrote a couple of bloopers here and there in the first parts and maybe a couple in the last. Um, but uh, War of Underworld zero bloopers. Um, other other than actors just messing up, um, it's really been it's really been difficult to um, to have the time to just sit back and breathe and be like, Oh, this would be funny. You know? So, well, um, let, let me... unfortunately there was, there was a lot of moments, believe me, there was a lot of moments when the actors were like, Oh, this is so funny. This, this could make a great blooper right here. And, and I'd be like, uh, okay, what do you want to do? Oh, I don't really know. Or, or <laughs> someone would say something and it, And it wouldn't be really funny. One actor came in uh, uh, playing one of the more main characters and stuff, and they were they were uh, they just started fucking goofing off right off the bat. And I was like, nope, can't do that. We don't have the time. Stop it. (laughs) We're previewing again. Let's get in character. Let's fucking do this. Uh, It's yeah. It's just been it just. Keeping up has been um, one of those one of those things where it's like we we don't really have the time to mess around. And now that said, Bryce fucking Papenbrook <laughs> he was he would come in and yeah, as you guys know, um, a lot of his stuff was pretty much just like uh, uh, you know grunts and just noises. Um, of course, Bryce had a ton of bloopers, <laughs> so but then. But then again, you know, Bryce is also, you know, he's got like a half hour session. (laughs) So it's like he would come in, he'd mess around, you know, we'd get the the line um, and then um, he'd say, oh, wait, uh, let me try that one more time. I think I got to put a different spin on. And then he'd throw something out that's completely inappropriate. So... (laughs) Oh, right. We do, so we do have a couple of, of things somewhere, a couple of Bryce's bloopers somewhere. I, I know that whenever an actor messed up and it was funny, I would ask uh, whoever was recording the show that day because we were uh, there have been six or seven different engineers on the show so far. Um, I we always had a blooper track available, and they always pulled down whatever the blooper was. Um, but usually, it was. Uh, if it wasn't Bryce messing around, um, it was usually an actor messing up in a funny way, you know, like choking on a hairball or something like that. Um, so, don't know what to say. Hope, hopefully, in the second in the second half of it, hopefully I'll I'll be in a better headspace because even the show itself is pretty intense. Like it's. Um, for me just working on the, the dialogue when i'm at home adapting the scripts um, i'm in, i'm i'm kind of i'm putting myself in the headspace of the characters so there's not a whole lot of time for levity because i'm taking everything seriously that's happening i'm not like sitting back and watching it and just laughing at it going oh, they're hundred floors you know it's not it's i just my head's not in that place So, um, unfortunately, yeah, I wasn't able to do any sort of adaptation of a scene with blooper ideas in it, Uh, but that, but hopefully again, hopefully maybe the second half of Underworld, maybe I'll have a little more time to breathe and maybe, uh, I, I mean, they're following the books though, and it just gets more intense so I have a feeling I'm probably going to be in that sort of, you know, uh, intense sp- headspace, and I probably will uh, won't won't be able to, you know, click into the humor <laughs> for those stupid bloopers.
2: Mm. Well,
1: I I, uh, I found that tweet that I that I put out. <laughs> what was your tweet? It goes like this: So so when they're in the when they all go in the tent and they're they're talking to each other. This is uh-huh. I, this is what I said in the tweet I said. I see this conversation going this way, Alice. What's a video game? Wait, you were married? What do you mean <laughs> love you loved do? I feel so used. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cuz I, I saw that scene and I'm like, "Oh my god, she's like I I just I picture them like and I don't understand why like they you know, we we've kind of talked about this before with other parts of it, of sword art. Um, it's just it, I feel like it, that scene could have been like a little. I, that would just be a little interesting to me because I'd like to see what exactly Asana says and everybody's reaction because they'd be like, "What do you mean we're in a video game?" Oh, <laughs> uh, so so
0: that's an, that's another thing. I think I I spoke to uh, Sketch and Durell about that. So I noticed that a lot of people online don't seem to understand that Underworld is not a video game. It's a simulated civilization. So it's based, the technology that built Underworld, that Kikoka and Hida used, is based on the seed package, which right. did, which is what uh, uh, crab was created from, and Gundil, uh, uh was created from, and all these other virtual reality environments. Um, but this is actually a simulated civilization. It might be virtual reality to one of us kind of humans going into it with our souls or our consciousness um, through the soul translator. But everybody there is 100% flesh and blood and 100% real. That's the, that's the concept and that's the idea. So, yeah, no, like um, whenever I was... Um, because I am I stopped interacting with people during Sword Art's broadcast because um, I think I realized this like halfway through um, season two, um, where I started realizing that um, I was distracting. So there were people who, uh, if I would tweet something out, like, hey, this happened during the scene in the recording booth, or hey, isn't this, you know, whatever. Or, oh, yeah, this was a really interesting thing to record. Um, it's, it's distracting people even further away from the story in the show. In season two, one um, of you guys, I don't know if it was Sketch or you, you, Sketch, or you, Paul, um, you had retweeted a comment, a negative comment by, by somebody who was watching the show. And it was negative because they were completely misunderstanding what was going on. And they said, you know, and it was one of those things where it was like, this is the problem with Sword Art Online. And I'm like, dude, they literally explained why they're doing this like two minutes ago. And then I got this fucking tweet back saying, your show is shit. (laughs) And I was like, and I was like, okay, so I'm not going to do this anymore. (laughs) Because it seems like people are just hate watching at this point. And even if I am doing it, it seems like there—it's just another distract, another distraction from actually paying attention to the show. You can't really do two things at once. You're either watching the show or you're tweeting. If you're right. doing both, you know you're 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 not paying attention to the show. And I don't want to be—I don't want to be the reason that someone misses something important because so many, especially in in Alice'sation, there was. So so many critical bits of information about you know how the world works and what willpower does and all this stuff right away I knew it was like, yeah I'm just gonna announce the show's on and then get off Twitter so
1: yeah I mean probably a good idea so I mean just just kind of talking about that for a second I mean it was weird it's weird because the reason I say like it's like a video game is because obviously, number one, they can pull up a screen at any point and find out what their, whatever, you know, all of their, their stats are. All of their mm-hmm. stats. And then when, the they die, when they die, it's not like their body's there and they can bury it or something else. It literally just disappears and their life energy goes right. away. So yeah. it's, it's very weird, like, and I think that's kind of like the confusion. Oh, and, you know, obviously we're getting to it, but, you know, people get, can beam into this, this world, apparently, which we didn't know until, you know, a week or two ago. So it's like, huh, so if this is, this is not a video game, then why can people from a video game beam into this? You know, and yes, obviously, you know, Kirito can go into there, but there again, while they were testing this game... Kirito kind of was part, well, not game, I guess. This this other world, um, Kirito was kind of part of that. The- yeah, so
0: Kirito grew up. Yep. So, in Alicization, in Alicization, they explain the Soul Translation, the Soul Translator, and its technology. Right. And they, uh, and I believe Kikoku and Higa talked to um, Asuna and Rinko about uh, what Kirito's been doing in there in more detail. And Kito has actually, when he would go and disappear for a weekend to go and test for Kikuoka, um, they would block his real-world memories. Um, they would filter them when he got put in the Soul Translator. And he actually had a childhood in the underworld. And that's what we saw at the beginning uh, episode. So he actually was, like, grew up with yu and Alice. They've, they've known each other for 10 years or nine years or whatever. And uh, so, but I totally get what you're saying. Um, the, uh, about the confusion, there's definitely a lot of stuff going on and there are huge portions where you're just in the underworld and you're following what's going on. And then you'll have an episode in the real world where people are kind of like helping you catch up to how, how, the technology works and what the motives are behind this you know those kinds of things and yeah you know i get it but you always have to keep it in the back of your head when you're watching it that it's not a game it's a simulated civilization so kikwoka and higa are growing these souls for a reason
1: it's just going to be really interesting going into the next part because you know obviously if they when they take ellis out of this world You know, she's not going to be. I mean, I I mean, unless she's not going to be flesh and blood. Right. Not going to be flesh
0: and blood. Yeah. So it's like
1: it's like how do you how do you do that without her being flesh and blood? I mean, obviously we know. So you can load
0: the you can load the little cubes um, uh, from the uh, light cluster. So those little light cubes are essentially hard drives. And you could, uh, and they've actually kind of teased um, in Alicization with those robots that right. scared Asuna Ichimon. Um, so they've already kind of teased what the potential is of this, um, and the idea behind even growing souls in the first place. What's the purpose? Pop out a light cube,
1: pop it into a robot, a drone, warfare, those kinds of things. What's some um... I, I can't. Re- I, I'm like. I feel like I'm sketched now. What's um. What's Kirito and Asuna's quote unquote child's name? I can't remember off the top. of Yui. Page. Oh, Yui. Yui. So Yui? I mean, I mean, you kind of could have. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this, but wouldn't you kind of have a situation like that where, not like her. Uh, sp- I think
2: they explained that Yui was the opposite kind of AI.
0: Yeah, so Yui's a top-down AI, meaning that she's been programmed. Um, the AIs in the underworld are bottom-up, meaning they were uh, they learned they they learned as a person would learn, right. so by experience, by um, by being shown what to do, uh, essentially like teaching a child or raising a child. Um, Yui, however, was programmed with very definite, if this, then this type of programming. Um, that doesn't mean she's not emotional. She's definitely evolved, but she's still a different kind of AI than the Underworldians.
1: Okay, yeah, and yeah. I mean, You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I kind of feel like with a series like this. And by the way, I'll be honest with you. I kind of like I kind of like this season, and I when I say this season, the the whole alicization together so far. I really like this one more for the whole Than the you know, others. Right. I think yeah. this, one was, this one was a lot better. I mean, yeah, there was a scene earlier in Alicization, which we don't really have to get into at all. But I even that one, I kind of felt like, I feel like every time that there's even a hint of it, people take it way out of context. But I <laughs> I just, it's to me, like, this was, this one I think was kind of, lessons learned with SAO more other than that one scene. And like, it, it just was, it feels more complete. I don't know if you get. So that I, feeling.
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean, I have not read, um, <laughs> the, uh, the books that season one and season two were based on. Right. Um, so I can't comment about those. Um, I do know that Reiki Kamahara had, uh, written, everything included everything from season one season two up to the uh the conclusion of war of underworld he had written that in the early 2000s um okay. and he was just publishing it on his blog um and i'm getting this from the his afterward in the very last volume of war of underworld of the war of underworld arc um it basically says that you know uh excel world was the property that got published first um and uh then when everybody was uh curious which was writing i guess uh uh while he was writing sword art and publishing it on his blog i think excel world was also published on his uh his blog too um but then a publisher was like okay cool like, i think katakawa i think i'm I'm not sure but katakawa reached out and said uh you know, it's, we like this little thing. Let's publish it. He said, "Okay, cool. What do you? What else do you have?" Well, I've there's this thing that you know I submitted years ago um, to be published, and it's called Sword Art Online, and you know I'm almost done with it. And they said, sure. "Okay, finish it. We'll start publishing that." Well, this is this is like you know early. This is 2000 to 2006, so that's where this. That's the that's the time that he was writing this. Um. And afterwards, I think when the books got published and when the show came out, um, he was already looking to flesh out uh, the Einkrad arc. And that became Sword Art Progressive. So that's, which is also being published now, too. And that literally tells the whole story of Einkrad, apparently. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. Which I haven't gotten into that yet. Um all I know so far is having worked on uh having worked on alicization through underworld. I've been I've had the books. I bought all the books. Um and so I was reading the books, watching the watching the episodes, reading the books having the books in my lap um, while I was adapting to help clarify any sort of weird translation issues or help um, add anything that was left out of the translation that I thought really was needed because, you know, things like the willpower thing was, uh, I don't think the willpower thing really was understandable if you're watching the subtitle version. Um, uh, So... The books helped me understand it better. and then I tried to, with the client's permission, of course, um, you know pepper in a little bit more explanation in the lines that had room for it um, to uh, help the audience understand those concepts better. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you right now that you know reading the books and watching the show and working on the show from the Alicization Arc through World of Underworld, so far, the show pretty much follows the books beat by beat. They wow. left, left out a couple of things, like Ugo and Kito. once they leave uh, Ruled to go to Centoria, um, they have to spend a, a few months at a farm, so they get to know the farmer and their kids, and there's a whole chapter about that. Um, I think. I think you see it really quickly, um as they're uh, on their journey, going to Centtoria in, in the show, there's a little montage thing where they're like working on stuff at a farm. That's that family. Um, they left out um, they left out a lot of um, a lot of uh, uh, they left out uh, quite a few moments. Of backstory for all of the integrity nights um it, I, I don't think it was uh i don't think it was a bad choice to cut it out because it didn't really it, 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 you know it doesn't i don't think it really helps or hurts the anime at all um but she had a better sense of why fanatio feels the way she does um yeah that's
1: probably um, not needed yeah
0: yeah, um, but, but it, I think they did a really they did a great job making it very clear just with her dialogue in that one scene where she faces off against Kitty Till, and this thing is about like Charlotte. Um, I, I remember when uh, when I was working on analysisation, uh, there are chapters in the book where it's from the point of view of Charlotte, but it doesn't tell you who it is. It's just, oh, uh, you know, this whatever, something is in his hair and it will hop off of him when he's, you know, taking a shower and hop back on when he's, you know, comes out of the bath or whatever. And um, and so they took, they, there's none of that. Um, so a lot of the mysterious voices that you hear in Alicization, um, that's Charlotte. Um, <laughs> but of course... But of course in the book or sorry in the show they yeah, they, they chose to not allude to that. Usually it was like his hair would twitch and that would be Charlotte like telling him to go left or go right. Um, and yeah, there were there were definitely chapters with those kinds of moments in it where and until it was finally revealed, oh, it's this little teeny spider and her name's Charlotte. That was the one thing I missed, is that they didn't put that stuff in. Charlotte just appearing like that it was like oh okay you know
1: <laughs> okay yeah I mean you know it's, uh, well, it's good to know that they're yeah.
2: putting basically everything in there
1: yeah I'm, yeah I'm happy about that. Oh, I mean there, there's one thing we can one thing we can kind of well I mean you and me have kind of had Talked about on Twitter a little bit. The one thing that I always wanted to see back in season one of uh, of Sword Art Online was that relationship, that first relationship that Kirito had. Because I feel like... Oh, uh, Sachi, You're right. They kind of left... A, there was like a lot there that could have been... Like you could have flushed out a lot more. I, I always thought think- Go ahead.
0: I think they do that in Sword Art Progressive. I think Reki Kawahara um, has a has more of of uh, and the Moonlit Black Cats, the guild that she was a part of. They talk about that and and flesh that out in better detail.
1: Now, let, let me ask you this: Do they? Do you think that this Progressive Sword Art Online? Do you see Do you see that maybe coming? like, as a series itself, like, going back and doing this eventually? Not, like, anytime soon, but maybe in the future? Um,
0: I mean, I, I, that I'd have no idea. I mean, uh, I mean, ultimately, it's up to um, Ricky Kawahara and A1 Pictures and Aniplex Japan. Um, if, you know, if, if people are enjoying the show and they have room on their production slate and they can, you know, they have a budget that they can work with... Um, uh, who knows yeah maybe um it's uh it'd be interesting i think um sort of- it would motivate me to go pick up the books for sure obviously um i know that a lot of fans really seem to like the progressive novels and and from what i understand rakiko Kalhar is really pleased by the response to them um Because, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, Aincrad is the, is, is kind of like, you know, people talk about it as kind of being perfect, but short. Like everybody seems to say they wish all of season one was Aincrad.
1: Yeah, Um, it's, it's one of the, one of the complaints that I had about it was, like, that first part of season one was... The series was really good, but when you got to that episode where they where Kirito figures out, you know, that...
0: That Heathcliff was Kayaba. And, right,
1: right. When he figures that out, it's, like, gone in, like, an episode and a half. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Why didn't we have, yeah. like, a longer fight scene? Why didn't we have, like, some blown out, like, huge thing going on? And I, I've kind of always felt like that could have been a little bit longer as well, just because... Well,
0: Yeah, and I think... I remember we were talking about this the very first time you guys had me on your podcast. Right. And I think I said back then, as I do now, having still... I have not read the first novels of Sword Art or Progressive. I don't know... I don't know why uh, 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 Tomohiko Ito, the director, and his staff chose to omit whatever they omitted. Um... I do know that, you know, every time, every time a show is produced, whether it's here in the West or in the East, anywhere in the world, there's always a degree of, Are, is this going to work? So, um, I have a feeling that they kept it tight and kept it half a season because they wanted to they probably wanted to uh, give people the best of the show because there may not be a season two oh,
1: okay so, yeah that makes sense yeah
0: and so mm-hmm. but that but again that's just my guess mm-hmm. i have never spoken to anybody about it or asked about it um uh you know it's just it's just one of those things that i think that's probably the reasoning behind it um Nobody knows what show's going to take off and what show's not going to take off, and they proceed according to how much money they have, what kind of resources. And, they had known and how
2: popular Sword Art was going to be, they definitely would have milked that a bit longer.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, had they, had they known, um, it would have been different. But, you know, I think it's a... You know, it also goes back to what's in vogue at the time, yeah. You know which? What, what what kind of stories are people really buying? Because money is the thing that controls the decisions for the most part. There's not. There's only one Makoto Shinkai. You know. There's only one uh, uh, Ghibli. You know. Right, <laughs> uh, right. They're basically yeah. Like Miyazaki and Shinkai can pretty much write whatever they want to and produce whatever they want to, and um, it's kind of like that's. That, that's just in the position that they are, uh, that they're in. Um, but Anna, A1 Pictures and stuff, they're, they want to make entertainment. So if in Japan, this book called Sword Art is selling really well, oh, let's make a show out of it. See what happens. Um, I, I don't think anybody expected it was going to be a hit around the world as it, as it has been, you know, I think all of the, I think the show itself, just, you know, it, it's, it charms people and people get invested in the characters and their, and their, you know, whatever crises and tragedies that they have to work through. I think, uh, the dubs from all the different countries helped sell the show in all those territories too, and help make it even bigger and bigger. Um, and that's why they kept going um, uh, to, up to Alicization and War of Underworld. Um, whatever happens afterwards, I have no idea. Is A1 Pictures going to move on? Is Turkey Kalahar going to move on? You're as good as mine.
1: I, I can't see them not trying to do more with SAO. That just doesn't make any sense to me at this point. It's well, I mean, a
2: whole other arc after Alicization, yeah, isn't exactly.
1: it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it follows.
0: I think it follows Tisse and Ronier. Um, I know that at the end of the book, well, I mean, I, I don't know. Spoilers? Should I, should I even say? It? Uh, probably I mean, not. Yeah, probably
1: not. But
0: yeah, I mean, at the end of the very last volume of the War of Underworld arc, it it literally starts a whole new arc, and you're just like, okay, here
2: we go again. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know um, the books know, keep selling
1: <laughs> so kind of kind of moving along with what what sketch was saying with uh war of underworld um a scene comes up obviously where cuz to pick up where sketch left off we we go into this huge battle where all the, all the knights are you know going after the dark territory and advancing so to speak and as they're doing this, all of a sudden, these characters from the outside world get beamed into Underworld slash... Not,
0: not just characters from the outside world.
2: American players. American, American,
1: players. American players. American
2: players. Yep. Yes. yep. Who are all thinking that this is just some new VR MMO.
0: Yep. And they, they, just because they're the ones who were awake at that time of day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and, I, and I found, and see, that was another piece that I kind of went, huh, they're not hooked up to the machine like Kirito is, but they're able to beam in using just their normal equipment to whatever they go into. So it's just like,
2: all right. Well, I'm yes, like, it can. So that yeah, can so soul trans. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> you were going to, sorry, Sketch, you were going to say something?
2: Well, I, I was going to say that uh, uh, eventually they realize that they can enter the underworld through other means. Yes.
0: Yeah. So they're using their atmospheres um, to to log on because um, Critter has uh, given them a door in, and um, the only difference is is they um, they are given these avatars. Um, and when they die, it ain't going to hurt. So that's the difference between, like, Asuna and them. Asuna's is inside a soul translator. Her consciousness, her soul, is in the world. The American mm-hmm. gamers, they're just, uh, they're just experiencing it as if it's a VR MMO. Both yeah. physically and mentally and everything. Whereas Asuna can see, smell, taste, feel pain... Um, her powers of uh, terrain manipulation, those things are very finite. And they cause her a great deal of pain when she uses it that could possibly give her brain damage. So she can't use it a lot. She can use it here and there, but like he warned her, he said, if if your head starts to hurt, stop it. Don't use it anymore. Unfortunately, she she gets into these positions where she has to keep using it.
1: For now.
2: That well, so it's happened well, a couple of
1: times. So, so speaking, so you know, as that's going on, where the the American players are beaming into the into into Underworld, um, we have all of the the Sao characters basically pleading with uh, the characters from uh, what what the hell is the name of that world? Alpha Alpheim.
0: Hello. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. online. Pleading
1: with them to basically take their characters and convert over, them over yeah convert them over and go into underworld mm-hmm. and i i gotta say like i i felt like that was some of your best work honestly that speech oh i'm glad you liked
0: it that, yes that yeah I uh, sarah out. did a great job yeah sarah nailed it yeah, yeah. Um, it was funny. She tweeted something at me and said something about patience and stuff. And I remember the session cause it wasn't that long ago and I don't know what she was talking about, about patience. I think I tweeted back to her something to the same effect. It was like, we, she knew what was coming up. She'd watched the show if she'd watched the episode and stuff and she knew what a uh, turning point this speech was going to be. And, um, you know, so she, so she was you know ready to go. Um, I think, um, you know, recording it, there was not, there wasn't anything really, there wasn't anything we hung up on. Um, we went through it just fine. Um, God, I mean, Sarah's been doing this for, for a long time now and she knows, and she's, you know, a damn good actor. And so she knows what, what to do and how to do it. Um, I think the only thing that we ended up doing was... <clears throat> I think we went. Uh, we finished the whole speech, and then, and then I went back to the beginning, and we just played it again, and we just we just played it all down, and I made little notes, and I would stop and say, "Okay, let's get this line again. It's maybe a little too uh, shouting," and so she would adjust her, you know, uh, attitude and volume levels a bit, um, you know. So there were like little tweaks and stuff. Uh, but it was not; it was not a, um, it was not difficult to get through. Let's put it that way. Um, so those were the only kinds of weird little adjustments that we were making after we had done our first pass on that whole speech. But yeah, I'm glad you liked it. It was, you know, we all know, you know, we all know how important it is. I mean, certainly, um, we didn't want to; we didn't want to let anybody down. Uh, as far as the audience goes, and, and we we needed it to be we needed it to be right so that it uh, so that everything that happens afterwards is motivated very clearly. So um, I'm glad you liked it. Really glad you liked it. Definitely let Sarah know too if you haven't already. It's, yeah, I mean she was really proud of it at the end of the day.
2: And uh, going along with that, uh, Stephanie's line deliveries is yui in that episode. I got, I got a weepy.
1: <laughs>
2: oh good. <laughs> they were they were really good. This is darn fine acting. Good. darn yeah. fine acting.
0: Well, I mean it's it's Stephanie, you know, you can't okay. go wrong. She is uh, she is a fucking pro. Yeah.
2: So I I was actually wondering what you thought of that speech and how they talk about how they've been ostracized ever since they got out of uh, Sword Art Online, Einkrad, and then she kind of spins it towards, you know, it's not just us, not not just SAO survivors, but also basically anybody who's an online gamer, they think so little of us. You know, I, I just thought that was an interesting topic to maybe unpack a little bit
0: so yeah so when i when i read that in the book when i read that that scene and that speech in the book um i think i i think i read the book after i watched the show i remember thinking wait what gaming and gamers are fucking cool like it's it's uncool to not be a video gamer like if you go on social media, you know, everybody who is, everybody is, you know, they have gamer, you know, in their little bios and stuff. But they talk about games or they do memes about games or with games or through games or they talk about fucking Sonic movie or whatever. And and so I think that dates the show a bit because back when Reki Kawahara was writing this, you know, it was 2004, five, right? Gaming was a little different. <laughs> now you know uh now gaming is is the thing. Um everyone's trying to monetize being a gamer. Um that's how it is today. So I remember when I saw that in the show I was like, "Hmm, that's not really the case anymore." It dates <laughs> the show a little bit. It dates the show a little bit. But of course, I'm not going to change the line. Um I can't <laughs> no, Of course yeah. I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to update it because, to be quite, to be quite honest, um, you know, a lot of gamers probably still feel disenfranchised. Um, they feel like, like I, I think I remember thinking, yeah, I think I remember, I think I remember when I started working on the script. It wasn't when I first watched the episode, but when I started working on the script, I started thinking about kids who, who are telling their parents you know what? I want to be a pro gamer. I've got a YouTube channel or my Twitch stream and I got a bunch of followers who really like watching me play games and interact with them while I'm doing it and do speedruns and stuff. But the this generation of parents like what do they think about, you know, their 14 15 year old kid saying I want to be a pro gamer? Like like is that like how it was for me telling my parents, "I think I want to make movies for a living." Yeah. My parents were totally supportive because you know uh, they were those kind, of, they were that kind of, they were those kind of parents. But I know some parents, you know, didn't have any faith in their kids' uh, uh, career choice being filmmakers for whatever reason. Be a doctor. Be something stable. Be something solid. You know, like that. Being a pro gamer, I mean, you know, signing up and be, playing for you know a League of Legends team or something like that, or a Warcraft team. It's like okay, I I'm sure those kids probably Collie would feel the same as Liz. They would feel a little disenfranchised that they're that all they're doing is quote unquote playing and not being taken seriously. You know that this is something that you need to practice, and you know you need to you know your equipment needs to be up to date um and it's practice 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 and you have to work well with others you know it's it's uh it's not just playing it's a little more complicated than that so that's what it was in the back of my head when i was writing the scene to keep me what's the word honest with it with the dialogue Uh, And to make me forget about the fact that, oh, gamers are actually... Being a gamer is actually really cool nowadays.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, just... It's not like all of the real world is like the real world now anyway. (laughs) Or even Mm -hmm. like it ever was. True. (laughs) So it kind of lives by its own rules. Up to this point, you can definitely see that while gaming is very popular in sword art's narrative, that it, it's still you know, ostracized to an extent. Mm-hmm. So, so it's very interesting. But then again, I mean, you have an ordinal scale where you have all, all, all these people just playing video games in the real world. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But, That's true either way it's a, it's a good speech <laughs> good i'm glad I, i'm glad you guys liked it a, glad you guys like great speech, speech and uh though it is <laughs> that is a hard sell it's like all right so first of all you have to convert your character uh-huh and you will feel pain oh okay and you probably can't convert your character back <laughs> yep And to hardcore gamers, that's like, are you kidding me? Yep. Not my hundreds upon hundreds of hours. Yep. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, no, these... I know we have a hard time explaining this to you, but these are living beings that are worth protecting. Yep. (laughs) It's more important than your crappy gamer tag. (laughs) Yep.
1: And, and, you know, I kind of feel like them going into this... I mean, I hate to say this, but they're doing the exact same thing in that game that they're in right now pretty much all the time. So why not do something new and going to this world, this completely different world, that's actually... (laughs) That's a good point. That's actually real, and you're like, oh shit, this might actually be awesome, and just take your character over there. Like, I I feel like that's better, honestly. I think it's...
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the stakes. Again, um... Based on how these characters, you know, because not, I mean, not all the characters in ALO are like launching wars against the other races in ALO and stuff like that. It's like a lot of them are just, they go there just to hang out and grind on NPCs, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not life or death. Um, and, and these characters that are these avatars that these gamers have created have become, uh, I guess, their their personality and their way of coping with what happened to them in Sword Art, um, or, what hap- or what's happening to them in real life if they weren't stuck in in Einkrad with everyone else for those two years. Um, it's... Uh, the stakes for those particular characters that they've been, you know, building up for the last two years, I mean, those are... You know, that's, like you said, it's hours and hours and years, weeks, days, months of, you know, uh, work to get these special skills and these special weapons and all this gold and all this XP and HP and whatever bonus items and stuff. So it's um, being asked to sacrifice that for something that something that isn't even um that they can't even really comprehend um is probably hard you know and so of course that's liz's speech is you know hopefully does its job and reminds them that the underworld is because happened because of all of all of all of the efforts and all of the love and everything that everyone put into VR MMOs that there wouldn't be an underworld without that. So they're essentially validating everything that they've been doing anyway, if they go and support these beings that they've never met before in a world they've never been to before. Um, But of course the stakes yeah, you, you don't know if you're going to get your character back at the end of the day. You don't even know if you're going to get it. I mean, we, they could win the war, but yeah, they might not be able to pull their characters out. Who knows? Who knows? But that whole thing also sets the stage for the possibility of doing that. And that is what the saga goes up to at the end of the... Uh, mid season finale, or mid, or what? What would you call it? Mid season, yeah.
2: Mid season. I mean, it's the end of the third quarter. Uh, okay, it's the so end uh, of the third quarter.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> like Alice's and War of Underworld, I think they're all one season. So, yeah. yeah so it's like, uh, yeah, I guess third quarter. Yeah. So, yeah. but that sets the stage for that. So now it's like, ah, that's possible. Okay. His special so,
2: account, which is probably his gun game account. Well, no. Oh! oh. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So,
0: Intriguing. it'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise for anyone who only follows the show on Tsunami. It'll be a surprise when he shows up again. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. Mm. Um... I'll say that War of Underworld ties up all the loose ends.
2: Oh. Very interesting. Very
0: interesting. Again, if they're following the book, there's going to be a lot of loose ends tied up.
2: Well, they only got 11 episodes to do it. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. So, yes, Vasigo is he's diving in. Vasago. Vasago, like Iago. (laughs) Vasago decides he wants to dive in with his special account after Critter's like, well, you can't go back with your Dark Knight account, so I can give you a mook. It's like, oh, no, I got something. I got something. And this, unfortunately, just kind of ends in The middle of the battle when Sinon shows up as another one of the high power avatars because, uh, along with Liz trying to convey her feelings to all the people in ALO, uh, Leifa and Sinon have already gone to use soul translators at the uh, Ropongi, yeah. yeah, yeah, base of the uh, S. The wrath, yeah, wrath to bass. That's such an amusing scene. It was like yeah, uh, was... a couple of teenagers are here, <laughs> a couple of teenage girls.
0: Yeah, Mark Witten it... played that character. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. he was he was great in it. I was, I uh, was,
2: that was funny. I was like, girls? No, no. yeah, that's yeah. obviously not their real names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was amusing <clears throat> so of course both of them will eventually be there but so far only Sinon has made it over but I mean it felt like it took a, Asuna a long time to show up because of the time difference but at a particular point they brought it down to one to one which definitely shocked the people on the ocean turtle when they finally realized that that was happening.
1: Well, they were yeah. sleeping when it happened. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're like, you better yeah. uh, check the check the rate. One to one. <laughs> yeah, and that's how...
0: Um, and that's how um, people from the outside world can log in with uh, atmospheres as opposed to having uh, being in the Soul Translator. So... If the time gets sped up again, they'll all get kicked out. So anyone with oh, so
2: that will kick them out, I wonder what would happen if the yeah. time got sped up.
0: Yeah. So right now the only people in control of the time are Critter. Mm-hmm. On the in the main mm-hmm. control room. Yeah. The folks in the Subcon, yeah, they can't control the time.
2: Every time I hear Subcon, I think it's Super Mario Brothers 2. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, down in Subcon, they can control some things, but not nearly enough. <laughs> they just kind of have to s- sit and see what happens. Uh, it's it's at one to one now. They'll they'll get kicked out. So when he's like, I'll just speed up the time again. So he's counting on them getting kicked out. He's once Vecta has Alice, in, which by the way, he eventually does grab Alice.
0: Yeah. So the thing is, is that. Um um, Vecta has to get Alice to the terminal at the World's End altar. Um, so Alice heard Kikwoka tell Kirito that that was like one of the last things he told Kirito before Kirito got zapped.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: that's why Alice and her group are heading south in the dark territory is because they're going to that World's End altar, um, and because she doesn't know she doesn't know why she just said heard this voice tell Kirito go there with Alice right now so that's all she knows Asuna of course has been given the scoop and says you gotta get them to the world's end altar so we can eject their light cubes to us to our half to our subcon Um. so vector also now that he has Alice he's heading for the world's end altar because that's where the terminal is that he can eject himself and her light cube into the main control. Mm -hmm. So that's what the chase is all about now.
2: Yeah, so they're heading off to a chase after uh, basically the American players showed up and just did not pick friend or foe and (laughs) killed anybody on any side, which really ticked off the champion. Yeah, uh, Yeah. he's not happy yeah he got he got so mad that he ripped his own eyeball out so mm-hmm. that he could which is interesting because before that point only Alice was capable of that and as Asana explained anybody who's capable of doing that is essentially the same as a human from her world
0: yeah so there's a there's a, also an, another uh layer to that so Iskan, um he's he his will is still impaired. Alice has free will, like 100% free will, because she actively defied the pontifex in the church. Khan, um, however, um, still has not, he cannot defy the emperor Vectra. So even though he pulled his own eye out, his will is still not his own. Um, yeah. So there's different degrees of this. Yeah, exactly. Now the whole thing about the will, the code eight, seven, one, that sort of barrier, um, that was a form of sabotage. and We will meet that person in the next, uh, whatever, 11 or 12 episodes. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, that was, that was not supposed to be there. Um, it was planted. So, mm. and that's why, that's why administrator, um, because administrator, you know, had her own free will. She didn't have this code eight, seven, one or whatever. Um, she, but this is, this is how she used her, uh, power to control everybody and keep them under her thumb. So everybody's got rules to follow. Everyone's got to have a job, a calling, Right. You pick your right. calling when you're a kid, and you do it until you die, and that's how it is. Alice comes home. Her dad is like, "You know what? You're still you know, you're still a traitor against the church, the axiom church. Be gone." He doesn't. He doesn't have the willpower to um, accept her. Um, and then you know all the orders. You know the who's who's in charge here. Is it the landowner or is it the village elder? You know, it's like, it's all, yeah. It's all service,
2: basically. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty complicated. So that's interesting the fact that uh, Alice's sister can kind of defy uh, the rules and not ostracize Alice. Is she, though? So so
0: it's it's not that she has it's not that uh she has free will or anything like that um but she loves her sister and she's going to bring out a pie every now and then to the to the cabin you know check in on her and check in on Kirito. um you know she knows Kirito uh now so it's kind of like um She's just, she's doing the the bare minimum, and when she mm-hmm. speaks up on Alice's behalf to her father, um, it's not that you know she's she has free will. She doesn't. She's not affected by the code eight seven one gig. Um, she's just being rational. She's just saying, "Look, Alice is a knight," <laughs> you know, or she doesn't know that. Then she's just like saying, "Listen, um, you know, it's not right." That's it. But it's not like full-on defiance. Mm. So, yeah, Gallus yeah, rejected mm. everything when she when she lost her eye, um, and it and it blew out on its own, just like Yuji's. So, yeah, Iskan physically tore his eye out. He had the will to do that, but even in the books, it says that um, there's a there's a line that it says saying that you know, I'll let you guys go, but you know, if the Emperor, he uses a loophole. He says, the Emperor didn't tell us anything about fighting the Red guys, so we ain't gonna fight these guys. But if the Emperor comes back and tells us, hey, we gotta fight you guys, I'm gonna have to fight you guys. So, yeah, East Khan doesn't have free will. Alice and Yuzio definitely had free will. The Coley, um... Brokoli's the oldest being in the world now. Um, he's like three hundred something years old. Um, I think, even though he was resynthesized a couple of times by administrator in the beginning, um, I think his uh, the the battles that he's had and the experience that he's had in the world. I think um, there was also something. Um, like every 100 something years administrator has to resynthesize uh the integrity knights um because their souls get kind of uh, they develop corruptions so they don't start they start acting weird um broccoli even though he's gone through some of these resynthesis things um I think he still retains uh quite a bit of memory um he doesn't remember um, uh, uh, the core thing that administrator had took from, had taken from him, the core memory, um, the thing he loved the most. But um, he remembers enough to know that that administrator's um, rule um, was a little bit suspect. It wasn't exactly for the benefit of the people, and that's why Bercoli has such kind of like a a, a more sort of casual air around people. But again, he doesn't have, um, you know, he still he still suffers uh, the same thing about this code eight seven one thing. I don't he I don't think he's ever lost his eye, or at least the books I've, I didn't I don't recall reading anything in the books about him being. Um, Completely free of that. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it, there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of weird little details in this thing.
2: <laughs> so, every time I try to talk about this, I keep getting interrupted. So, I just want to say how great it is to have a fist and sword fight. I just I <laughs> love that. Between... <laughs> Sheeta and Iskar That was Khan. <laughs> There's an N at the end. He's Khan. He's Khan. <laughs> yeah. He's Khan. Is Khan. Exactly. I mean, they just keep calling him champion. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's that's the designation of the of the leader of of the pugilists. So mm-hmm. yeah, a, uh, the leader is not called the Lord or anything. It's always champion. So oh, that makes sense. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah. That they're uh, they're uh, <coughs> a group of folks that sure do love fighting with their fists, and then Sheeta shows up with this very ridiculously thin sword, and they're like, Pfft. and then yep. she proceeds to slash them to pieces, literally. But she doesn't kill them. Not not a single death. Nope. she maims all of them. Yep. Which both like, impresses and, and pisses off Eiskan.
0: <laughs> and all the maiming and damage that she's doing is repairable. They just need enough uh, spatial resources to heal it. Just like how Austin had put her arm back on. It's just that the spatial resources.
2: As long as you have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Austin, I lost an arm. <laughs> yep. Oof. <laughs> Painful.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. so at at this point Iskahn's like, you know what they're fighting us we'll help you fight these, whoever they are because that's not against what Lord Vecta wants, and Lord Vecta already has Alice, so we shouldn't have a problem here, so we'll fight off these folks if this girl can create a bridge for my people and then we'll go and fight them and then you can go chase after Alice. (laughs) Sounds fair.
0: Folks working together for a common good.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. At the end there, coming together for a common good. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes because he admits that if they're pursuing vecta and vecta's like oh right now you kill all of these people for me and I'm like well we have to do it yep. so fair warning we could turn on you at any time but yep. for the moment we'll fight with you and i just i love the dynamic between him and Sheeta. <laughs> she call him granny <laughs> and she's like i'll allow it good stuff good stuff there's some there's some uh, light hearted moments despite all of these and oh yeah he's like wipe that sleepy look off your face and she tries
1: bless her heart she tries
2: good stuff so we kind of end in the middle of a battle, and we, well, we'll have to see what happens next. But if uh, if if you were waiting for a Sword Art to crank up the fightin' this is the arc for you.
0: Oh well, if they're following the books as closely as they have been, actually, the next arc is for you. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. 'Cause the book the book surprised me with how brutal things get. Mm-hmm. Like this first part was like, oh shit, okay, this is pretty this is pretty gnarly. But even just reading it in the book, I was like, Oh my god
2: Well I mean in the opening sequence they show Alice standing over a pile of dead bodies mm-hmm. covered in blood. You're like, oh, okay, so that's gonna happen at some point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we already had something kind of like that when she used the remaining death life energy and fired it off. So it's uh, it's been an interesting arc, and I look forward to seeing where it goes. Yeah, I mean, so am I. I'm, um, it's it's fun to watch
0: it realized, you know, um, mm-hmm. after after reading the books and stuff and following along. It's always it's really fun to see all the choices that the director's making with shots and characters and colors. I didn't think mm-hmm. the ogres were going to look like werewolves. Um, that was but, an interesting choice. Yeah, I think that's probably that might be a cultural thing. I think. I think in um I think in Japan, I think ogres are more hairy, I think mm. them, i think I've seen like some artwork and stuff that depicts various monsters and you know or classical monsters, not just sort of like the generic everyday kind of monsters in mm. Japan, in Japanese folklore, but ogres are usually very hairy and very sort of beastly, and so that was as close to what they they could get with them um mm. Instead of like the you know, the like the ogres that we in the West are used to from like Grimm's fairy tales and stuff where they seem like just very sort of big, big bulky, you know, teeth hanging out, you know, a snout, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. And the orcs and the orcs were pigs.
2: Yes, the orcs are pigs.
0: Yeah, that was that was interesting. I wasn't expecting that. But you know, in the in the light novels they have little panels sometimes Illustrated, and when I got to that panel, I was like, "Oh shit, that's a pig!" <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: wow. Okay. What I imagined, but all right, <laughs> it wasn't what I imagined, but I yeah, no, it's it's definitely a pig.
2: <laughs> hmm. I feel like they run the gamut of uh, uh fantasy characters with the dark territory. You got like the dark mages and. You got the orcs, the ogres. Various goblins. Two different
0: mm-hmm. two different races of goblins. You have the giants. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they throw any trolls in there? They should have thrown some trolls in.
2: This is a strange thing to be missing. Mm. Well, I think uh, that about covers it but i I was curious if uh there was any uh times you know behind the scenes just working with various actors that uh any particular experiences you wanted to touch on
0: oh i mean um I got to work with a lot of actors I'd never worked with before, and some who were a uh, little more newer to uh, anime dubbing, um, because now that the show is uh, a union, so folks like Justine Huxley, who plays Shaita, um, and i never worked with her before, but uh, she was great, she was super patient when we were finding the where Shaita was supposed to live. Uh, and, um you know she was great about it. She was very patient. I was kind of going back and forth. She was kind of going back and forth um but I think we ended on a voice that um that works for both of us i I, mean, I certainly hope she's happy with with how Shayta is working um, but there were different levels of like deadpan you know um, <laughs> I know that um there were a couple times where she was just speaking a little too loudly. And so, um, by doing that, it, it, gave Shay to have more of an attitude, which she doesn't really have. Um, so I know we had to go back and we had to redo a couple of things and dial it back a little bit before we could move on to the next episode. with her. But she was really cool to work with. Um, uh, Morgan was great to work with again. Uh, she plays Renly. Um, mm-hmm. I was, like, working with Morgan. Uh, I haven't a lot, um, but uh, the couple times I have, she was also in Gun Gale Online. Not season two, but the the spinoff. Right. She was was also in that. Um, She was super fun. Again, working with Kari and Steve and Abby um, was great. Greg, getting Greg Chung as uh, the villain for this Uh, season was fantastic because i love greg i've worked with him so much in the last two years um there's you know there's two things that have not been uh there's one thing that isn't finished yet um it's an original animation it's my first original animation he plays the lead in it um hopefully that'll be released at the end of this year I think that's what the original schedule was, but that might also change. But then he was also in this thing that um, I worked on with him. I think it's like two years now. Um, it still has not been released. Um, not because it's bad. Uh, it's just because <laughs> it's just because the uh, uh, the situation um, uh, the situation of the of the owners around it the owners of the property uh they just have to work their shit out uh to release it um but it's really cool it plays a, a part in that that was really cool um and greg's just you know he's just a fun guy and, and i like you know i liked his reaction to when we got to the one episode where we see uh, gabriel's backstory <laughs> Because I warned him about it. I warned him about it at the very beginning. I was like, okay, so here's Gabriel, and you know, this is what motivates his, you know his life. I mean, he's he's a he's he's a, he's a literal soul sucker. <laughs> um, but it was cool how he handled it, and uh, and and the the energy that he brings to Gabriel, um, and of course, Coy. Um, you know, Koya I've got to work with quite a bit now, um, and so he's always fun in a very sort of uh, downbeat way. <laughs> he's very, uh, he's very, uh, uh, he's kind of—I mean, his personality on Twitter yeah. is uh, kind of the same as uh, as his personality in real life. <laughs> he's very just sort of like uh, he, he's very. Uh, self-deprecating and very sort of downbeat in his humor um so it's always funny to have him in the studio because uh, anytime i can make him laugh i think is a good day <laughs> he's not sad he's not sad he just plays you know the sad sack um but he does it in such a clever way that it makes me laugh but then if i can you know if i can get him to laugh or something um that's always fun um Oh, and Alex Lee, Um, I got to work with him finally. Um, uh, He plays uh, uh, Lil Pillan, the uh, chief of the orcs. Um, So Alex is really great. He's also on, uh, I think, uh, Demon Slayer, right? Yes. Yeah, so um, I've never really worked with him before, um, and he's great. Uh, Wow, aside from saying everybody's great, I don't know. (laughs)
2: Everybody's great.
0: Yeah, Everybody I don't know. yeah, I don't know what kind of stories I mean, other than that, I mean those are probably
2: um Well you already explained that it's been uh, pretty no nonsense <laughs> all business for this
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's not like we all get to hang out for like an hour before we start recording and then an hour after recording anyway. Um everybody's got their own lives and then they got other sessions to do and whatnot. Um, but for the most part, you know, War of Underworld, um, you know, has been chugging along pretty, pretty nicely. Um, Kaylee really, um, stepped up to the plate.
1: Um, mm.
0: uh, she, uh, you know, she's been, she knows what's going on in the story. She's been watching the show as it airs. Um, you know, she, she's very familiar with the subtitle fan. I think she's reading the books too. Um, and I think the only, the one note the one note I, I, I gave her at the end of Alicization was, or the note I just kept giving her in Alicization even, mm-hmm. um, was just to work on getting her um, getting her voice to uh, uh, to stay deep when she's doing like call-outs and those kinds of things. Um, because her voice isn't, I mean, that's, that's really so low in her range. And to do a call-out is really hard if it's really, if it's too high in your range or too low in your range. And Mm -hmm. so uh, she's she's, she's done a lot of work outside of school, (laughs) um, I think, uh, to get her um, so that she can uh, play her voice more down in that range and not, like, blow out, you know, or crack the voice all the time. So... Um, it's been really fun watching watching her play Alice. Um, so hopefully she's having fun doing it too because she's you know she's doing a great job. Um, I agree. Yeah you know, so I'm glad I'm glad you guys are liking it so far. And hopefully she's happy too. Um, but yeah, I, I think she's doing awesome. I mean she's really she's, she's giving Alice life you know in English. Can't ask for more
2: than that. All right, I think uh, I think that'll do it. Right on. I
0: agree. Well, thanks for having me on again, guys. It was fun as usual.
2: Yeah, we love having you on.
1: The and
2: longest on. podcasts.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> well, we're never going to top that kill to kill one
0: well <laughs> feel free to edit this one judiciously <laughs>
2: <'Cause> <laughs> <for> a while, <laughs> ah, yeah, people like the loved ones
0: <laughs> all right well i guess they got time to listen to it these days so
2: mm, yeah they do and uh now they have uh, plenty of time to listen to this before the next story arc begins. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah, they'll be done with it by the time it airs in, what, June? <laughs> July. <laughs> or July or whatever.
2: <laughs> whatever. At least in Japan. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully um, we can all, you know, get through this okay and then come back and record the next batch and uh, together again. And, uh, and hopefully it'll blow people's minds, you know, and hopefully it'll give them, you know, what they want. Um, just a, an entertaining show with uh, some characters that they like. We'll see. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> it's a few months off, so we'll see. Hopefully... I mean,
2: you've definitely left some nice breadcrumbs saying that it's going to bring everything together. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I like hearing that. I, I, continuity is something I, I really love in storytelling. So,
0: yeah. So yeah, it'll, uh, it'll definitely, it'll definitely tie up some loose ends and, uh, and, uh, it'll, the the plot twists are going to be like, Oh shit. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. and there'll also be some action going on in the ocean turtle too. So it's not all going to be in the underworld. There's, there's quite an extended thing that happens on the ocean turtle. That's going to be pretty, uh, Pretty Mm. crazy. So, Mm -hmm. Kikocha and Higa are going to go through their paces.
2: Oh, (laughs) well, that should be interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Again, if they're following the books as much as they are, as much as they have been, uh, they can't not, you know, address what's going on in the ocean turtle at the same
2: time. So, Mm. well, Paul, you want to play us out?
1: Yeah, I have all these this music in the background. I'll start playing drums. Oh, you mean get, get us out of here. <laughs> um, so, and by the way, this is the first time I can say this, so I feel wonderful for saying this. The website's back up.
2: It's back The podcast up. website.
1: Yes, the podcast website. And
2: it looks good. And it looks good.
1: Yeah, we, we, we just basically went, you know what, we're just going to take this. This theme that we have on Tunami Faithful.com and move it over, and it actually works pretty well for what we need. So, uh, the website is podcast at Tunami or podcast.tunami Faithful.com. Um, if you guys want to listen to every single podcast, I'm updating it as much as I can. But everything up through the end of last year till now should be on there, plus a lot of our archive is there as well. So Please go there, and if you've missed any episodes, you can catch them right there. Um, email us, po- uh, podcast at com. Uh, you can follow us on social media, uh, facebook.com slash Podcast and on Twitter at Toonami podcast. And as far as listening to us, you can go to our website now, but also um, you can hear us on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash which has every single episode of our podcast as well. But if you're on any other podcast apps, we're pretty much on every single one of them. Uh, the main ones we want you to be on are, uh, with the exception of SoundCloud, obviously, Apple Podcasts, which, is, which used to be iTunes, um, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. Uh, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, um, and even Podbay, which seems to be becoming a popular p- platform as well. So we're on all of them. Just search for the just search for "Tsunami Faithful" podcast, and you'll probably find us there. And as usual, if you guys can help us out, we have a Patreon. It's patreoncom Faithful. Yes, it was changed from "Tsunami Faithful" to, or from "Tsunami Faithful Podcast" to "Tsunami Faithful." Just made more sense to do it that way. Uh, if you guys can contribute, please do contribute there. And we do have a special $3 tier going on right now where you'll get everything. Um, because, hey, nobody has really that much money these days. So that way it'll allow you guys to see all of our interviews video-wise. Well, well we have video-wise coming up. And uh, all of our audio podcasts. So, um, yeah. And that that's just and extra content that you won't hear basically anywhere. So maybe we'll throw some of the stuff that Alex said on here in there. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just to cut the time down a little bit. <laughs> That'll be Sketch's uh, role. So, but anyways. Uh... <laughs> oh, Good luck, Sketch. Good luck. <laughs> um, so, Alex, where can they find you on social media, sir? Oh, just one place, Twitter. It's uh,
0: my name, all lowercase, Alex Von David. Um, that's it.
1: And Sketch, where can they find you, sir?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Sketch1984. And, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> How about you, Paul?
1: And, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Paul Biscrillo. If you're in the Toonami Faithful Discord, which maybe we should have Alex do one day. Um, I've never done one. Ooh. Well, it's not like a Discord kind of thing, but it's basically just like a—I don't know, sketch. Maybe you can explain it better than me. But like a, a way for people to just kind of talk. It's more like for video games, but a lot of people have caught, caught on to ours. So um, you can find it's me just there,
2: a place there. to have a conversation.
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. So um, you can find so you can find me there at Paul Scroll on the Toonami Faithful Discord. And, of course, you can email me, PaulPastrillo, at com. because God knows people from other podcasts that listen to those that I'm on will email me. So, (laughs) yes, that's where you can find me. So, But, um, yeah, so uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hope you guys are all well out there. But that's it for us. Peace. We're out. Thanks again for having me.